0: The Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy Seven and Johnny Touchdown, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, Welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast, your complete cards coverage, and today we're going to be having a couple of conversations. We'll go over some of the latest news on the injury report, talk a bit about the Cardinals and the Jets as far as how those teams are going to shape up, and we'll take a look at the current Cardinals offense and defense. What is it that they're struggling with this year why are they struggling way lower than their expectations have been especially on the offensive side uh, my name is Blake Murphy on Twitter at Blake Murphy 7 and I'm joined as always with my co-host uh the venerable Johnny venerable John the Cardinals are in what Larry Fitzgerald called a make win game for this week and after going two and two after a two and zero oh start it kind of feels that way doesn't it
1: at, absolutely Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to the ROTB podcast. And I think Larry, Blake, hit it right on the head. This is a game that you're facing what is, by all accounts, the worst team in pro football and one of the worst collections of NFL personnel talent in recent memory. Uh, And they're led by Joe Flacco, who, by all accounts, should be out of football after this year. And the Cardinals are a seven-point favorite as it stands now. It keeps bumping from seven and a half to seven. And that's after they got embarrassed last week against an average to below-average Carolina team. So that should tell you everything you need to know about the New York Jets. Now, I will say the Jets have had roughly 10 days to prepare. They were on a Thursday night game a week ago against the Denver Broncos. So they've had a little bit of extra time. But again, when they're trotting out the likes of Frank Gore and... You know, Jamison Crowder is their number one receiver. Joe Flacco is going to take the reins for the first time since 2019, which, by the way, I think he was like 2-6 and six as the starter for Denver. Their, their person up and down the field, it's just, it screams first overall pick, and it could very well lead to an 0-16 season. That is, of course, if the Cardinals are able to knock them off on Sunday. And, Blake, the Cardinals have to do a much better job in instilling a sense of urgency that otherwise has not been there Each of the last two weeks. We talked about it earlier in the week on our previous podcast, recapping Carolina's defeat of Arizona, that we thought by all accounts they'd go into that game against Carolina with their hair on fire ready to, you know, right the wrong of the previous week against Detroit. And it was the opposite. I heard the team's podcast, Paul Calvici mentioned that, you know, he watches the sideline throughout the duration of the game. And it was as dead a group as he can remember seeing. That is an indictment, a direct indictment on both Vance Joseph and Cliff Kingsbury. That you know, what was emulating off our television screens was basically what they were seeing on the sideline. Guys were not into the game, we're not fired up, the intensity was not there, and that's unacceptable. And again, for the third consecutive week, Blake, there's a personnel advantage top to bottom with the Cardinals, but can they can they muster up the energy just to put forth some some effort in beating a winless Jets team? And I think at a greater sense, the bigger picture that we're having to ask that question is very worrisome as we enter the second quarter of a season that a lot of people thought, especially after that 0-2 start, this team would be a playoff contender. Now they're just hoping to beat probably the worst team in football. It is a make-or-break game. It's, I mean, you could easily say this is the biggest game that Cliff Kingsbury has ever had in terms of expectations. Last year, there were zero expectations. Once they got one win out of the way, and you can avoid a win sixteen, that team last year they were playing with house money most of the year. And Kingsbury knew that. This year, added expectations on both he and quarterback Kyler Murray. And so far, they have been unable to answer those those MVP and you know Coach of the Year type of accolades that people were proclaiming onto this team before the season. And I think we all need to take a breath, take a step back, and look like okay. When they were successful earlier in the year, when they were successful in 2019, specifically offensively, how did they do it? They ran the football effectively. They used the vertical passing game to their advantage with much more limited receivers, mind you. Kyler Murray limited his turnovers. The offensive line played consistent. And then now, if you can duplicate those efforts with the defensive effort that we saw for about two and a half weeks into the, the Lions game, I th- I think that you've got a recipe still for what can be a 9- or 10-win team. I'm not looking throughout the duration of the rest of the schedule. You take it, it's cliche to say, but a week-by-week week approach. This is a team that needs to focus on the task at hand and, and be the, the type of impact team that we think it can be with the likes of Chandler Jones, who's been non-existent for three weeks, with the likes of Buda Baker now returning off injury, which I'm sure we'll touch on. They've got two second round receivers in Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella that we' still waiting for them to pop. It can't just be Kyler scrambling around, uh, you know, on a whim and feeding DeAndre Hopkins 20 targets a game. They have to find more an offensive offensive identity. And again, I, I think it's appropriate to raise some red flags when you talk about. They've been meeting as a team consistently since late July. Every other team within the NFL that's succeeding, even a lot of these new coaches like Matt Rule last week, they're clicking offensively. This is the Cardinals' second season with almost identical personnel offensively, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, who is their best player right now offensively, and Kelvin Beachum. The rest of these guys have no excuse. They were with Cliff and and the gang last year. This is a unit that needs to perform better, and knock on wood, I I think that they will on Sunday, Blake.
0: Cardinals are in a spot that we didn't think that they would be uh, on their fourth uh, fourth game of the season where they were coming off of two and one. You thought that they were going to go to the East Coast, take care of business. Instead, you got whacked by the Panthers and it kind of changed everything. Like we said on our last podcast, as far as expectations, obviously at this point, it's still early in the season. Two and two has been there uh, tied for their best start since the 2016 season. Uh, What it kind of means, John, is you're going to have some tougher games scheduled coming up against tougher NFC West opponents and even tougher AFC opponents such as the Bills, the Jets. Uh, That's really what it's going to be is you're going to have to now step up against what's uh, probably going to be a much tougher opponent. A lot of people, I think, are just wondering what really happened and what went wrong with the Cardinals. We'll talk a bit about that. First, I want to kind of go over the... Uh, injury report coming off of the game. As we uh, talked about, we got the official confirmation. Kenyon Drake and Justin Pugh's injuries, not serious. They've practiced in full. Uh, We've also seen the return of Buda Baker to practice, as well as Chris Banjo, the other backup safety. Uh, He was limited as of Thursday. Uh, We have still not seen the likes of Jalen Thompson. My guess is that he's probably not going to be a go for the game. Uh, More likely, they would at least mention if he was practicing or not. Uh, He's someone who I think the team is hoping to get off of uh, injury report within the next few weeks uh, it's possible that it may be longer or they don't seem to be rushing him back uh, DeAndre Hopkins with his ankle at least he did not practice on Wednesday did practice in full today along with Larry Fitzgerald uh, Devon Kennard still seems like he may be out and then what's interesting also is you had another do not practice from Jordan Phillips as well and uh, to me that one's interesting because he's probably been your second best pass rusher on the team outside of, oddly enough, John Hassan Reddick, who has had less snaps than Chandler Jones, the same amount of tackles and just as much production, which has been very interesting. So a healthier Cardinals team that is getting Buda Baker back and a less healthy Jets team. You already mentioned Sam Darnold out for the game. Uh, Their backup, uh, I should say, their uh, starting left tackle, Makai Becton, uh, he seems out for the game as well. He probably played when he shouldn't have, ended up pulling himself out of the Broncos game. Uh, You're also looking at uh, the likes of their backup, left tackle chuma adoga he also got nicked up in the last game he's been practicing in full he's likely to get the start at left tackle uh but john when you look at their death chart up and down this is a team that essentially runs their passing game through slot receiver jamison crowder and if that's what yeah. you have as your team uh you're just kind of not going to win many games the jets have just been so devoid of talent they had a injury to denzel mims at the beginning of the year they were clearly relying on him a lot as a rookie Uh, And that's just kind of, you know, it's very similar to that 2018 Cardinals team that was devoid of talent on the O-line, talent at receiver. Brashad Perryman, I believe, also has been nicked up and on that injury report. He's not practiced. He's their best deep threat. Their best offensive weapon this year, interestingly enough, has been similar to the Cardinals. It's been Sam Darnold's legs being able to buy time or pick up first downs. They've otherwise been a pretty inept passing offense. And as far as on the defensive side, they've been even more inept. The the Jets on defense have just given up pretty much points at will to just about every team. We're talking about from the backup Niners who are missing some nine starters A majority of those were on offense. We're talking about the backup Broncos. Brett Ripien gave up 37 points to him last week. Uh, This is just an all-time just inept defense. It's the kind of the every few years you get a Greg Williams special where it just seems that their defense just completely tanks. And this has been one of those years. And on the other side, you have Adam Gase, who is seemingly, at least to most fans, is should have probably been fired or let go at least last year he's brought back for another year he hasn't quite gotten to the bill o'brien level of control uh, but he's in a spot where you're looking at Uh, the New York Jets and the Arizona Cardinals and how that all went down with their head coaches. And John, thank, thank God we don't have Cliff Kingsbury because uh, excuse me, I should say we hired Cliff Kingsbury. We did not hire Adam Gase. That looks like it would have been a complete train wreck. Gase also apparently had some really disparaging remarks to say about Josh Rosen. Uh, Maybe you could say those are justified or not. Maybe he hasn't gotten enough time or a good situation. Uh, It's turned out to be similar almost with Sam Darnold. Uh, But right now, at least for the Cardinals, you're in this spot where when you're clearly the superior team, as far as talent goes for the most part, whether that's an offense or defense, and you're entering in your third week of playing a team like this, and you've looked pretty helpless, uh, especially on offense the last few weeks, you really have to get kind of worried. Is this a game that you typically call a trap game for the Cardinals, Uh, especially when you're facing a winless team that may be pretty desperate for a win and is getting now a veteran former Super Bowl winning quarterback in Joe Flacco? Are we overlooking the Jets to say that we expect the Cardinals to win at this point?
1: Oh, goodness. If if, the, if we're not looking at this as a potential Cardinal victory, seven-point favorite on the road against one of the worst teams in recent memory, what does that say about the Cardinals? That that should signal the, the notion that the Cardinals need a complete overhaul and rebuild. I, I think that this is a game that they, by all accounts, should win by double digits. Um, this game shouldn't be close, just like last week's game on paper shouldn't be close, just like the Lions game on paper should have seen the Cardinals score 40-plus points. It all comes down to are these players, these professional athletes that are paid to play and come out and achieve, you know, there's a sense of urgency that I appreciate with the NFL that's not there with Major League Baseball and the NBA because at any point these players, as you saw with Curtis Riley, you don't perform well, you're gone. Assuming you don't have a lofty guaranteed salary, teams can move off at you at will. So you're consistently playing and playing for your for your job. I mean, somebody like Justin Pugh was teased that he could be moved in the off season, and he's by all accounts one of their most productive offensive linemen. But you have to play up to your ability and do your contract. And so I would hope that you know these fifty three or however many they get to dress in this COVID led season on Sunday come out with a sense of urgency and say we're we're a superior team than we've shown. We've got pride. We're professionals, and we're going to come out and take care of business. But I do think it's interesting, Blake. You know the the Jets not opting to part ways with Adam Gase. You know after a series of horrific performances in in lieu to a 0-4 start I do think unlike maybe Houston who fired Bill O'Brien there's a sense of urgency there of course they were in the divisional round last year they don't have any draft picks to speak of so they just however they can scrap together their wins they're going to do it I think behind closed doors this Jets front office ownership knows they're in line for a top pick and they either want to leverage a first overall pick for a you know, a large trade package or they're going to take uh, a certain quarterback from the University of Clemson in Trevor Lawrence. And so what's the point of firing Adam Gase? Why not just let him play out the majority of the season, continue to struggle? Owen 16 is not a big deal anymore. I mean, the Browns have, by all accounts this year, bounced back and looked like a playoff team after they bottomed out. Finally, the the Lions had several uh, playoff teams Um, in lieu of their own 16 season. So it's not a nail-in-the-coffin death wish for a franchise like it once was. Um, And so I think behind closed doors they would tell you, you know, once we have a top pick secured, we're going all in on this rebuild. Clearly, they traded away Jamal Adams before the season started, and they got future picks for it, nothing to help them this year. They didn't add really any free agents of note outside of a couple journeyman offensive linemen. You can kind of see this coming, and I feel for Sam Darnold, who, you know, the Cardinals are fortunate that he's not going to play Sunday. I know that he's turnover happy, but he's just got so much more upside than somebody like Joe Flacco, whereas Joe Flacco is just, at this point, excuse my language, just a kind of like a walking corpse of a, of a of once great player. He's got no mobility. He's still got a great arm. But he he will be out of football by all accounts. You would think this after this year, um, and came off of I think neck or back surgery. I mean, if the Cardinals, who have not been able to rest the passer consistently, could not sniff Teddy Bridgewater last week, and it showed. If they can't get after you know Joe Flacco's statuesque body, they're going to be in a lot of trouble the following week when they face Dak Prescott and that Cowboy offense. But you know, sticking with the Jets this week, Blake. I mean, this is a game where we should be looking up at halftime, and it's you know, 24 to 7, 23 to 3, something like that. The Cardinals should come out and establish their dominance, and the Jets should get one-dimensional, and there should be interceptions and sack force fumbles, and the Cardinals should have short fields, and there should be explosive plays. But we thought that the last two weeks. But we're going to double and triple down and crank it up to 10 and say, okay, if you can't beat, hypothetically, this Jets team, who gets fired, what happens next, what happens on Monday, Blake, after a 2-0 start, you're on a three-game losing streak, and you, in fact, bottom out, I think you could see position coaches fired. I think, depending on the performance of the defense, you could see Vance Joseph be let go. I think Kingsbury and Kime are safe through 2021, but I do think, hypothetically, if there's a 1% chance they lose this game, depending on how the defense plays, I think you could see position coaches be let go because this is the kind of game that gets you fired. So I would hope, players and and coaches alike, I would hope that, okay, let's take care of business and let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys after we throttle this winless Jets team.
0: Yeah, John, this is one of those spots where you're talking about a backup quarterback, like you said, who's not nearly as talented as Sam Darnold. Obviously, his best days are behind him. He's still a wily veteran, and that's going to be kind of the one concern you'll have, I think, is... When you come into this game, you want to be able to see your playmakers step up. You want to see Chandler Jones go off against a backup tackle. You want to see Buda Baker being back to being able to kind of be that you know, safety valve. We'll see still if Banjo's going to play, but even still, Deontay Thompson looked fine last week. And I think what you're also going to want to see in a lot of different ways is... Uh, you're going to want to see the coverage that Vance Joseph deploys not be, you know, giving some wide receivers a, a deep cushion, not trying to kind of uh, like I call it at least just hey, we're, we're going to give up, you know, these, you know, five, six yard crossing routes. We just don't want to give up, you know, the 30 yard bomb. You, you shouldn't have to worry about that with this Jets team. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing you'll want to see is you'll want to see the Cardinals be able to, you um, essentially show their defense have a bounce back game in a lot of ways where you can actually see the motivation we thought that would come from the detroit game they played uh, exceptionally well on third down and that game did not play well on third down last week you need to make those adjustments um you're getting Buda baker back like you said it's basically a no excuses game for vance joseph If you're going to struggle against the jets team and joe flacco then you're probably going to end up looking at whatever he was doing in the first two weeks either was a lack of talent or has been figured out by opposing offensive coordinators. And if that's the case, then you're probably going to start looking at a ticking time clock because the next two teams you're going to play, John, are the Cowboys of the number one offense in the NFL. You're doing that in a primetime game uh, on Monday night. And then you'll be able to get the uh, Seattle Seahawks, which has Russell Wilson as an MVP candidate the week after. If you're not able to figure things out and button it up against the Jets this week, uh, Cardinals fans are going to be panicked going into those games of uh, with a lot of potential for embarrassment in a year where the defense came out looking like it was really good. So... I think that's going to be something you'll have to look for. The other thing we'll also have to look for is going to be the play of Isaiah Simmons because when you look at what they did last week with the Curtis Riley experiment, he clearly at least was one of the weakest players, if not the weakest player, on the defense. And no one brought it last week. Let's let's be clear. It wasn't like that there was one single player who was responsible for everything. But it seemed like when you're looking at the film there was so many missed tackles. There were so many times that he was in the frame of where it looked like someone there missed an assignment. Someone there missed a tackle. Uh, someone missed where they were supposed to be. It just seemed very likely that he was kind of the guy who was the culprit in a lot of different ways, and that shows when you're down to your fourth and fifth safety, a lot of times those guys can either be baited in or not know where to go. Uh, It's just uh, been a lack of communication, and it was not addressed. Uh, They got a little better when Charles Washington was inserted, but the biggest thing I think I noticed going back to that game and looking at things was that – Probably the most sure tackler in that entire game was, interestingly enough, Isaiah Simmons. Deontay Thompson played great. He had a big hit. But Simmons was the guy who actually was probably the most consistent tackler on the field. And that's something that's con- that goes all the way back to his time in college as far as his ability in pass coverage. Now, clearly, he's had some struggles, it seems like, through that in his role but that seemed like it was an easy spot to say gosh like i don't know if you put simmons on the field if it's the same result but i'm pretty sure it would have gotten a bit better had some of those tackles been made and that to me is going to be the big question because right now john it feels like the cardinals are kind of trapped and i know our uh, our good buddy walter wrote a bit about this on the revenge of the bird site it feels like what the cardinals have done is they have tried to take this all-around playmaker in isaiah simmons and they looked at how Byron Murphy struggled last year in his move to outside corner and then inside corner. They looked at Hassan Reddick moving from inside linebacker to outside linebacker, back to inside linebacker. Uh or, and I should say more of like an outside linebacker role with Steve Wilkes, back to an edge player, which is basically almost a defensive end in Vance scheme, who sometimes drops back into coverage. And I think that they kind of have freaked out a little bit as far as when they saw Simmons struggle. And they're like, all right, let's, let's leave him in one spot and make sure he gets one spot down. We don't want to you know, hurt this kid's confidence or get things too mixed up for him. And the problem is that doesn't fit with his skill set. He's not a guy who is an inside linebacker you should be running up the middle to be able to hit and make those tackles. He's a guy that you want to put on a tight end, a guy you blitz off the edge. He's that guy that you can line up even as a slot corner at least or drop deep, deep back to play as a a safety in a robber role. There's so many different ways you can utilize him. I feel like what they've done is they've taken – a guy like Tyron Matthew, who's bigger, or a guy like a Derwin James, and they kind of shoved him at this Devondre Campbell-type role. And to me, that says a lot about how I think that Vance Joseph is just probably, unless he can show in the next few games, he can adjust. I don't know if he's the best fit for a guy like Simmons' skill set because you need to have a lot of creativity, moving guys around, mixing things up with defenses so they're confused. We even saw that impact on Sunday when Simmons looked like he was about to rush the pass passer up the middle in the A-gaps, and he drops back to a deep safety role. You saw a false start happen because the players at least were kind of like, okay, who, who just moved? What's happening here? There was a mix-up that happened. You got two false starts out of that game, just from Simmons at least dropping back, and I think that's something that we'll have to look for this week, John, because if we don't see Simmons play this week, it's going to be very much up to Steve Kime and the Cardinals, and especially even the, the likes of Michael Bidwell and Cliff Kingsbury, and to find out, is this a Vance Joseph issue as far as his defense schemes or is this an Isaiah Simmons problem Simmons problem where we may just have gotten a longer term developmental guy and I think you have to be able to decide that this week John uh, against the Jets just because if you're not going to play Simmons this week against what should be a weaker opponent to get some of those snaps it's going to be very discouraging I think to a lot of Cardinals fans to wonder what are we doing with this
1: yeah it's the most disheartening I think scenario right now going with this team the fact that you took this player in the top 10 was by all accounts a transformative player who buck is award winner and a national power in clemson and was lauded by the front office they were thanking their lucky stars that they got him where they did in the draft and i think said they he was their second or third rated player overall Um, And the fact that on a defense that, by all accounts, played well through the first two weeks of the season and then has plateaued in recent weeks, he can't see the field is super disheartening. And I am more inclined to believe, Blake, that it is a coaching issue. If this was Wade Phillips, if this was Todd Bowles, and they were echoing the same sentiments as Vance Joseph, I'd be more inclined to believe the coach. But when you have somebody like Vance Joseph, who is proven to be a subpar coordinator, who has difficulty in developing young players, and then you've got this this unicorn of a prospect, and you think about all of the elite defensive coordinators in the NFL, the Robert Salas of the world, right? What would they be doing with Isaiah Simmons? Do you think he'd be playing more than 10 snaps? Do you think he'd be contributing on um, on those kind of defenses, absolutely he would. He'd have a role. They would have had a plan. I mean, Robert Sala is getting significant snaps for Javon Kinlaw, who is much more of a project as a first-round defensive tackle, replacing DeForest Buckner. The Cardinals have botched this to this point. I just hope they haven't done too much to Isaiah Simmons' psyche. By all accounts, he seems like a very proud individual. When I you know look at his social media page, he's still very upbeat liked by his teammates. And by all accounts everything in this over the course of the summer by Kime and the coaching staff and the players alike said this guy's the real deal. Well it's time for him to play. We need the the impact that he provides. And we mentioned this on a previous podcast, Blake. The Cardinals do not have enough players, especially in their back seven, that can force turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, what have you. We saw one who could do it, you know, on the downturn, that's Patrick Peterson last week. But by all accounts, the rest of this unit doesn't have great ball skills, and now you've got Buda Baker coming back really to be a hammer with one hand until you know maybe the end of the year. They need Isaiah Simmons' ability to deflect passes, to intercept balls, to force fumbles, to utilize his speed, to create plays. How many times have we watched in recent weeks this defense giving up big, long, methodical drives to defenses, and we're just saying, somebody just make a play, make a stop, force a fumble, get a turnover. I don't have confidence in the group that they have there right now and by all accounts it's a lot of the same pieces from last year that didn't force a lot of turnovers so you're injecting youth and athleticism and good things generally happen now Blake as we're recording this podcast I'm sure you've seen this as well the Cardinals have made an addition they have signed veteran free agent corner Prince Amukamara the former first round pick for the New York Giants that has since been been with the Chicago Bears and first of all, I think that's a nice pickup. It gives them some options now with Peterson Ailing you know, on, on the field, Byron Murphy, Drake Kirkpatrick, and now Prince. They've got four corners that have experience. Prince played pretty well last year, and by all accounts, the Giants wanted to bring him back in some capacity. He was very selective from what I'm reading on where he wanted to go and, of course, as a, a Glendale product. But I'm reading this, Blake, and I posted this on Twitter after what we saw last week in the play that Patrick Peterson had at the time in the second quarter, which by all accounts was at free safety, do you think with the injuries and the lack of playmakers at the safety position intercepting passes, could this addition of Prince and Mucamara be a sign that they could potentially slow play a transition of Patrick Peterson, not full-time, but partially to free safety and allow Prince, Drake or Patrick, and Byron Murphy to primarily man the cornerback positions.
0: I think that it depends on what your goal is going to be, because if you're going to add him for... You know, just because Drake or Patrick's been having some injury and health issues and you say, hey, we know he can play more of a nickel and then we can probably mix it up some on the back end. I think that's fine. Peterson, as far as ball skills go, is probably the closest thing that you're going to be able to have as far as to a playmaking safety in the back end who can close on passes and make plays. You saw that in the game against the Carolina Panthers. He was essentially back playing a deep safety role. Uh, and it was able to pick off that ball. The issue, at least, is free safety is he's just not really been a willing tackler. After that 2015 and 2016 seasons, it seemed like he was blossoming some as a tackler. Um, And then it just kind of seemed like a lot of it was more of he just went back to being kind of the typical guy, which it's not that he's a liability as far as tackling, but he's not like he's a great tackler. And and a lot of times, uh, that's something you have to look for. I'll be interested to see if this means that Jalen Thompson is out for larger than they think. Or, uh, for a lots larger period of time I should say uh, he won't be in this game uh, of course he will be in the next one part of me also wonders if this could be a spot of they're looking at the upcoming Cowboys offense and realizing okay like we may not have a lot of the pieces to uh, match up against those three corners that, uh, the three well, our three corners may not be able to match up against their three corners uh, I should say their three wide receivers excuse me uh,
1: And they also have T.J. Ward that they are eventually going to activate. It's
0: strange to see. It's almost kind of like, in in a lot of ways, that this is maybe... Putting in more, kind of throwing some different players, seeing what you can do, going with more of a veteran approach. They might be at this point just adding veteran defensive backs just to have someone on the roster who's like, hey, like, no, you haven't played much safety before. Can you go out there and get this done? The fact that Peterson, at least we talked about, looks slowed down to the most part. Yeah. Still has some of that burst. It's not. He's not obviously Ed Reed in that regard, but maybe that is the adjustment that they make as far as trying to play him back a bit more at safety and use some rotational players. Uh, just. try to get more plays on the ball. I think that will be something that, you know, this is kind of the veteran defensive back move we expected the first time was with Dre Kirkpatrick uh, just because you needed someone after Alfred went down. This would be kind of the second one that we had looked at was, hey, maybe like you play a little bit more of Byron Murphy in the slot if you need to put Dre back somewhere at safety since he's, you know, been more familiar with the defense, Uh, the Cardinals. in one aspect, you should be looking at these hybrid defenders Uh, The guys who come out who could play nickel or safety like Buda Baker, like Jalen Thompson, uh, like Isaiah Simmons, even like Byron Murphy. There's a lot of people talked about him because of the way that he tackled. Some people said, hey, he looks like a nickel free safety hybrid, similar to Buda Baker. And the Cardinals stuck him at outside corner. He struggled and he seems to have done much, much better this year, having on third down, moving into those nickel type of situations. While on first and second down, he's played, I believe it's almost 100 percent of the snaps Outside, so he's been one of the more stalwart uh, players on that defense so far this year. Uh, A few penalties, obviously, but uh, sometimes you're in an NFL, you have to accept that. Uh, you're going to get a lot of those calls at least no matter what, one way or the other, uh, because it's, it's an offensive league, unfortunately. There's times I'm like, yep, that was definitely a hold. There's times like, no, that wasn't at all. But, you know, you'll, you'll take it if you're on the team and you won't if you're uh, facing the opponent. So uh, I will be very curious. What's also great about Amukamura is he's actually a local hometown guy. He went to Apollo High School over in Glendale. Uh, when he was a free agent, I know a lot of Arizona fans were curious if the Cardinals would bring him in. Uh, He was coming off of a solid season with the Bears, I believe, or either I think it was either off of the season with the Bears or was going to the Bears. And uh, he at least is coming back home. He was a former Cardinals uh, high school player of the week as well. Uh, Byron Murphy was another player who shared that honor. You kind of get to the stadium, get a custom jersey. You're on the field before the game begins. So it's nice to see the Cardinals bring another local guy back home. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. The hopes is that this would be much more of the uh, Byron Murphy versus like a, a Terrell Suggs type signing. You know, John, that was another I think so. Arizona guy who came in. Uh, and we'll we'll see what happens for that. The, the biggest thing I think with the Cardinals, John, is the things that needs to get fixed the most. I feel like is a fast start because you were talking about four Cardinals games this year. Cliff Kingsbury has scripted out game plan. Watch the opponent. And come out, and we've seen the Cardinals just look lackluster on offense. And at worst, on defense, they're letting the other team score points first. We saw the Cardinals struggle. Uh, they went down 10 0, I believe, to the Niners to begin the season. It took a punt block from their special teams to get back into the game. Uh, same where in the second week and the second game of the season, uh, week two, you talk about how it took another special teams play just to kind of get the team woken up. You saw the early struggles against Detroit uh, where they weren't able to take advantage of the defensive, uh, the interception, and they weren't able to uh, really keep the ball clean with the ball getting uh, intercepted on the opposing sideline. And it all kind of culminated with a first quarter where the Cardinals basically were getting blown out before you could even look up and see the clock being halftime. So... Uh, To me, John, that's going to be, I think, the biggest key is Cardinals have to figure out how they can get started early. To me, I think that starts with Cliff Kingsbury being able to scheme and develop a great game plan. Maybe it means that, hey, we're going to take the ball, go down on the offense, and score, get up on this team, so that way the Jets are put into a bad place. Instead, the Cardinals seem to have liked some of those second half to take the ball, and I don't know. We'll, We'll see what happens this week, John, because my guess overall, at least, with Adam Gase, is that they're probably going to default if they win the toss, and I would love to see the the Cardinals try to take the ball, have a good solid game plan and go down. Cause right now it's like Cliff's game plan that he starts off with just hasn't seemed to work. And then he has to adjust somewhat or take advantage of the momentum after they make a play. Uh, and I, I think that's huge. Then uh, we saw last week is you had that missed, defeats, the missed to fits the Mr. Isabella. You can't have that this week against the jets team, John, cause when you're that hungry for a win, they may take advantage of whatever happens and start to suddenly feel the, the favor turning uh, the tide to them that hasn't been that way all season and that's worrisome i think especially if you're talking about a cardinals team that then goes two and three into these next two games if you're staring at you know two and three two and four two and five all of a sudden you're going to start talking about like the cardinals having another top 10 pick firing questions it it just everything is going to kind of go on the table and that's something you do not want to have in your quarterback second year especially one who's as focused and dedicated and committing to winning as kyler murray
1: Yep, and we've talked about it on this podcast for the entire duration of Kyler Murray's career in the NFL affiliated with this team, a team that has a reputation of not playing winning football, a team that has the longest professional championship drought in all pro sports, that being our, our Arizona Cardinals. How will that weigh on Kyler Murray? How will that weigh on his psyche? Can he rise above it, elevate his team like we think he can, lead them to the postseason or is he going to be kind of engulfed by it and the dysfunction that has followed this franchise let's not forget steve keim arrest multiple head coaches mediocre draft picks to say the least free agent busts you know you've got your outlier portions of success with kurt warner and bruce arians and carson palmer but for the most part has been a franchise that has disappointed we are fortunate to have Kyler Murray as the franchise quarterback for this team. But I've always said it with a caveat that you, as a franchise, have to match his level of play. Defensively, in free agency, front office, coaching, everybody has to bring the same kind of energy and um, and, and excellence, basically. Now, it doesn't help that Kyler's not playing well right now. But I do think this would be a much more serious conversation if the Cardinals were to lose four or five consecutive games and Kyler's putting up gaudy stats and they're just kind of making poor coaching decisions and the defense was still struggling. I mean, it's a a group effort right now that has led to this two-week losing streak. They have an ability to right the ship. I think the most impressive thing that I saw from Cliff Kingsbury last year was his adjustment once this team knew that, okay, what we're doing with the 10 personnel is not working, We need to make an adjustment, get back to running the football. You heard Kyler Murray say that this week. We need to run the football effectively. I would not be surprised if Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake combined for like 40-plus carries this week. Uh, I think that that's kind of the mindset that they want to have going into this game is we want to impose our will. We think we're still a very effective running team that we otherwise haven't shown so far. But I, I just think it's something to watch now. We need to make sure that this franchise is consi- consistently matching the play and the competitive play of Kyler Murray. But I, it starts with Kyler, Blake. Once Kyler and the offense gets to a point where we think they can score on anybody, like there was a point last year where, especially when they were hitting their strides against San Francisco, you could have put them against any defense in the NFL, and they would have been effective. They need to get back to that point, and then some. When you talk about the consistency, the maturation process with Kyler in year two, the just the gluttony of receivers, I mean, they've invested so much at the receiver position to be this inept in the passing game. Hopkins, four second round pick. Isabella and Kirk were both second round picks that have shown glimpses of being able to be good players in this league. Larry Fitzgerald still makes eight figures you talked up Dan Arnold throughout the duration of the offseason about being this impact receiving tight end that you otherwise haven't had both Drake and Edmonds can catch the ball out of the backfield the passing game to me Blake yes it will be complimented from a successful running game but in my opinion they just they have no excuse that was always the constant that I knew coming into the season I could lean on with this team defensive additions be damned because Vance Joseph still coordinates that unit and you're always going to have skeptics with with him although I wanted to believe that they would be better but I just I assumed which was an error on my part that you've got a ton of consistency coming into this year with the offensive group they're going to be able to throw on everybody if they get adequate offensive line play by all accounts outside of a sketchy performance last week against Carolina the offensive line has been very good so the 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 receivers Kyler Cliff, everybody needs to get on the same page with this passing game. That is, it's just primed to take off. The, the, the defenses that they face moving forward, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, all of those teams are giving up record yards through the air and on the ground, but specifically through the air. The Cardinals have to take advantage of it because if, if you can't do it now against these type of teams, it's not going to happen. So I am cautiously optimistic that we see the best offensive performance from this unit to date this Sunday against the New York Jets.
0: Yeah, John, I'll I'll take that one step further and say you better see the best offensive performance of the season against this New York Jets team. Let me just go over like just the just the point totals alone is just incredible to see what we've had this year so far the Jets in their first game of the season they gave up 27 points to the Bills they gave up 31 to the Jimmy Garoppolo's Niners they gave up 36 points to the Colts who are a defensive team that runs the football and the Broncos they gave up 37 points they've been gashed on the ground greg williams defense has not been good and they've also been gashed through the air as well with touchdowns it's it's been pretty pathetic to watch so i think that the expectations at least for that john have to be that if you're going to come out there and you're talking about you know that if you have um a coaching staff that's getting some questions and has to get things figured out. You'll want to see them be able to at least take care of that. If they're not able to take care of the Jets at least on the offensive or defensive side, you know, like we could get after the game and say, "Hey, Cardinals they put up, you know, 35 points on the Jets. That's good. That's so the some of the things the way that they got these players off. Well, that's what we want to have the conversation. If that's the case, I think that'll be acceptable to most fans even if the Cardinals win say 35 to 27. If you give up like a ton of points to the Jets, a lot of fans will probably look at that and say, OK, Vance, like probably going to be time to at least like see you in a little while if that's the case. But the biggest thing overall is if you're talking about Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in this experiment and there's issues, that's going to be one of the hardest things, because if if Cliff is not able to blossom as a master game planner and NFL play caller and he, he doesn't have to be that right now you just want to see growth I think is what people looking at through year two you know the Cardinals are had no Super Bowl expectations for this year Um, you just wanted to be able to see the team be able to improve learn how to win be able to manage that a lot of that depends on Cliff Kingsbury and his ability to then uh, take his offense be able to game plan and adjust and It depends on Kyler Murray being able to develop, and both those things do, I think, go hand in hand, John. Because if they are working together, you will see the Cardinals be able to turn around and become a better team. And as far as for the question of well, why then are the Cardinals having issues? And I I think here's kind of I kind of brought up a few points as to why I think the Cardinals are having so many struggles. The first and number one aspect, I think as far as why they're having struggles right now, is uh, I think that they are getting lulled into uh, whatever Cliff Kingsbury's original offensive model was coming into Arizona in 2019 I still think there's twinges of that that he's trying to make work and I think that teams are reading that and sniffing it out at a quicker pace than he's been able to adjust to like he's getting teams that didn't know what to expect as much last year that are now game planning for him I think part of that is that you're talking about uh, we talk about the 12 personnel, 10 personnel. That just means the number of tight ends you have on the field. I think there's way too often that he's still lining guys up, straight in the line, doing a quick no-huddle offense, and then is throwing the ball in some of the short screen passes, saying, hey, we can get you know a quick uh, yards after catch, see if guys can break their tackles. And as we've seen last week, once teams are prepared for that, it's like, okay, we have to find another way to get our quarterback, Kyler, in rhythm. And when the offensive line is not having a good game, that's where I think that the struggle has come in. So Cliff has to be more innovative to find an easy completion, get his quarterback into rhythm, or even look at say, hey, we've got a couple of these running plays we're going to bust out or we can get some big gains for some of those. That may help Kyler settle down a bit. I think that right now we've seen more scrambles in some design runs. Um, What I would at least say the biggest thing is that pre-snap motion seems to be the one thing that's been missing from this Cardinals team. Uh, You look at some of the best plays or more memorable plays that they had last year involved utilizing some pre-snap motion. And John, we've actually seen this kind of start to take over the NFL. This has been almost a new trend of using pre-snap motion helping quarterbacks identify what type of defense they're playing and forcing the defense to account for that man in motion. Look at last year, the Ravens game. You talk about Christian Kirk goes on a fake reverse was uh, running around the backside, at least, for Kyler Murray. His man coverage guy starts to sprint to the other side of the field. It's like, I've got to make the tackle, on this is my man. He then motions back into a wide open spot, and it's a super easy, quick pass play. We've seen nothing like that this year as far as the creativity or the motion. Uh, even look at Larry Fitzgerald, that t- uh, touchdown in the fourth quarter before the Christian Kirk two-point conversion. Uh, Fitzgerald, at least like he ran across the formation, the man who was running across could not get there in time, super quick, easy pitch to Fitzgerald, didn't even have to try to run the ball up against that stacked box. I think that's one of the things that you can utilize, uh, as well. The other ones, uh, there's two more areas I think that can be helped with. One of them I think is, uh, the Cardinals have, I think they transitioned from, A team that was running the ball well out of 10 personnel to a team that was using these mismatches and guys in space out of the 12 personnel saying, hey, Max Williams, fantastic blocker. He's doing awesome in space. We can utilize his blocking skill to open holes for Kenyon Drake to run what that also benefited them was when Backstrom was being a sneaky pass catcher and then having Dan Arnold later in the season, they could then fake the runs, run those two tight ends out, and defenses would be bet on the, bite on the play action, and suddenly you've got a guy who's open for any easy completion to a first down who's just bigger and taller either in the red zone or being able to pick up a first down. Without Max Williams this year, they've really struggled, I think, with Daryl Daniels to have that type of same pass catching ability. It just hasn't felt the same. So he is an important player, just not a groundbreaking one. And the last thing, John, is as far as Fitzgerald goes, I've seen on the film, he's been open. There've been times that Kyler has missed him this year. He's also 37 and pretty slow. And because he primarily plays out of the slot, I think that you just need to go back and do more targets for Andy Isabella because we've seen that that speed, if he can get open, be able to break tackles uh, down the field, we've seen at least that they've kind of designed a few shots, but they've been kind of low completion throws. Get Andy involved in the closer passing game in some of these slot areas. Use that speed to force defenses to back up and then hit him underneath to be able to pick up some of these plays. I I think that's one of the missing pieces to their offense because uh, to this point, they've not really been able to get Christian Kirk involved, and I think part of the issue is is Kirk's always been a guy who can at least get, you know, some separation. He hasn't been great at it, but the hands have been an issue overall too. And so far through this year, John, Kirk, outside of the one touchdown he had last week, which is only three yards, uh, he just has not looked like a number two. He hasn't even really looked like a number three receiver on this team. Dan Arnold seems like he'd be a, a more capable wider uh, more capable third receiver for the most part and he's come up in some of those clutch situations so I think that it kind of falls in the entire offense to be able to pick up a lot of the slack because you went from being a pretty complete offensive team last year that could mor- morph your offense at will after you kind of got through the first month of the season to a team that throws the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and his Kyler take off for a scramble and then is not what wins in the NFL John
1: no they need to have some consistency and again this unit still has not Figured it itself out. Like you just mentioned, we haven't been clear on developing those second and third tier options behind DeAndre Hopkins. We thought, at least I did, that it would kind of all fall seamlessly into place and they would be able to lean on some of these other guys and we would see the explosiveness that otherwise Blake just hasn't been there. And I think that's that's the most frustrating, at least for me, because. We've seen glimpses, like you mentioned from Kirk, the the Tampa game from last year. He played well against Baltimore, and then he'll go not on quarter streaks, but game streaks, well, he'll just disappear. You forget he's even out there, and he'll be targeted or he'll they'll run a reverse with him, and there' just there is no production. And then with Isabella, all that positive momentum he had from two weeks ago against Detroit, it's like, okay, now he's going to take off against the suspect Carolina secondary. And they missed that big play down the sideline, and it was just kind of like the forgotten man. The intermediate passing game vertically down the field right now is just Hopkins, and that's it. Occasionally, you'll get Dan Arnold on a, on a seam route, but there is no intermediate passing outside of Hopkins, and that's a problem for this team. So, I, again, we, we talk about the offseason. They were convinced that Hopkins would play perfectly as the alpha, and then they would have a gluttony of second and third complementary receivers with Fitzgerald, Kirk, and Isabella to supplement the rest of those targets. And it just hasn't worked out to this point. I can't explain it. The timing's not there. The consistency's not there on both the receivers and Kyler. They have to do a better job picking each other up because they put in too much time to be this ineffective. And cross my fingers that this is the week that they put it all together.
0: John, we want to talk about this. This will be where we wrap up, at least for this episode. Uh, the question that I think that I have for this is, let's say that the Cardinals go out, they lose this game, they don't look particularly good, or you kind of botch it. Uh, what's going to be kind of the future impact that you feel like that this team has? Um, I think one of the things that was interestingly uh, uh, I hadn't considered before, at least I was looking at buddy, Jess Root. I want to make sure I give him the credit for this. He tweeted out that it might be that Amukamura is not necessarily about moving Patrick Peterson to, to the safety position or putting, uh, you know, just another depth guy it might be potentially as replacing him. Uh, maybe you end up looking at Patrick Peterson as someone that you put out on the trade deadline as something that say, Hey, can we get anything back for him? Send him to someone who's maybe an AFC contender who, or someone who's got an injury that that was an idea that hadn't really occurred to me before Peterson clearly has missed a step I don't know what a team would give up for him I, I wouldn't think it'd be a second round pick as high I mean we've seen it last year with Emmanuel Sanders to the Niners and Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots I would be very curious at least to be able to find out what that market would be for for a 30 year old corner who looked like he was having a better year last year than this year and uh, that even doesn't say that about how uh, he looked really bad last year. So, um, I, I'm curious, at least what are some of your final takeaways done on what does it look like for the future of like cliff, kime, Vance, P2? Um, I think it's obviously too soon to talk about from, at least in my opinion, kime and cliff, because uh, you're, you're going to say you're going to give Steve Wilkes one season and not give cliff two. That, that just doesn't seem to make any sense. I think that those two guys are in the clear for all the way through year three, at least for the most part, uh, and things would have to probably get pretty bad as far as with um, them not being able to improve, I think, to be able to move on. Since we know that Michael loves, you know, Steve Kyman he's really appreciated what Cliff Kingsbury has done, especially seeing the return that they've gotten from Kyler Murray. What are your thoughts about how this could shape the future of the franchise if we are going and talking about a two and three team?
1: Yeah, I think that the all options become on the table. I will say with the Patrick Peterson situation, I just don't think that the... The value is there. I think that, you know, you might as well keep him. Maybe you can get I mean, he played well down the stretch last year and again he's the only one in your secondary currently that is able to intercept a pass. So I just think, you know, I don't know if you're gonna be able to get anybody to take on part of his salary for the remainder of the season. I, I wouldn't even know where to start with the finances and he's still making good money this year. Um and I just I think that they would I think it's more so keeping their options open of just flooding the secondary with capable veterans or semi-capable veterans with just the influx of receiving talent that they're going to see in in the coming weeks. I would be shocked if they dealt him. I think the more likely scenario is that they they just let him walk as a free agent after this year and he plays out the final years of his career for somebody else. But I I would venture to say that if they were to, in fact, lose this game on Sunday, again, I would think that there would be position coach firings and potentially at the extreme edge of things, it, there would be a coordinator firing. Because, again, I know that they've got injuries at safety, but they have no excuse by all accounts. You've got predominantly everybody healthy in your front seven outside of a situational pass rusher in Kanara. He's been solid in the first couple of weeks. I'll give him credit. But your secondary is getting Buda Baker back. All your corners are healthy if if Kirkpatrick plays. I just think if you get if you get more than, like, 23 points put on you by this team – and unless it's something to the effect of, you know, a pick six by Kyler, fumbles deep in their in, uh, their side of the field, that kind of thing, I just think it's a dejective performance because you mentioned it, Blake, Dallas and Seattle, the next two weeks, goodness gracious, what is that going to look like? So this is a get your mind and production unit right type of game. And so I can't, I can't even just speculate that they'll lose this game because that, that to me would be bottoming out that we haven't seen since the likes of of steve wilkes here in arizona so cross my fingers i do think that they'll win i think they'll put up big points i've said that the last two weeks i've been incorrect so third time's the charm i think they went to something to the effect of 35 to 20 is my final prediction blake
0: Gosh, John, I'm I'm tempted every time it seems like we've picked the Cardinals. It's been off for that. I can't see them losing this game. I did pick them to win. I think that they can put up uh, 30 points in this game as well. Uh, I, I'm very just curious to see what happens with Joe Flacco on the defense. If we do end up seeing it, uh, I think that this is a game where hopefully they'll be able to come out strong. Um, if you drop three games in a row, you're definitely a bad team. The Cardinals will see how their belief is. I think that this is going to be more of like a game where I would call it in the in the realm of like – Uh, say 30 points to I don't think they're going to get higher than 30 to 31 but I'd say 30 points to uh, I'll go with 17 points I think that the Jets will be down about have 10 points or so you score a garbage time touchdown late in the fourth quarter Uh, and then we'll see where it goes from there Uh, one reminder also as far as we talked about with the potential of Patrick Peterson you mentioned the um, the ability to you know let him walk I'll bring up this as kind of a counterpoint if you can get a third round pick for Patrick Peterson, you know, we've talked about, I don't think teams trade a first for him at all, obviously. Second, you'd have to kind of maybe see if someone really, really likes him or hasn't, you know, been maybe watching his decline recently. If you get a third for him, do you take that deal or is it you hold on and wait? Because here's the thing, you may, get a, you may get a compensatory pick for him but usually the max compensatory pick that you'll get is as high as a third round pick in 2022. And if he's not signed to a high deal, or if you're signing a bunch of guys next year, that may fall down to a fourth round pick. So it's, it's not like like Calais Campbell situation where he got paid, you know, Uh, what was it, like some $30 million guaranteed or so that the Cardinals weren't willing to match. You're talking about a 30-year-old corner, and with the PEDs and the other stuff, I don't think he's going to be a one-year deal type of guy. He's going to be definitely wanting to get paid after this. Uh, But you may be wanting that pick for next year versus two years from now, John. What what would you prefer to kind of ride it out with Peterson the rest of the year, push for that playoff spot with a proven guy, or would you kind of try to reload a little bit?
1: Keep him around. I just think a third round pick in next year's draft or somebody like Peterson, who I still think has value for a team. I mean, you're trying to make the playoffs and you're, you're probably better with him than without him right now. And he brings a lot of leadership and confidence in that locker room. And again, he's the only player defensively that is shown to be capable turnover uh, contributor that somebody can intercept passes, right? He I think led the team in interceptions when he came back last year um, By- Byron Murphy, Buda baker they're not that kind of players. You know, Drake, Kirkpatrick, Prince and Prince Mekwemura, they're, they're veterans that can make a play here or there, but Peterson is your guy that you're going to go to. And so I just think unless they completely lose the locker room, Blake, and they go on a significant losing streak where the postseason's out of the question, I think absolutely you could look to move him looking toward next year. But this year is still very much obtainable for this team to be above 500, And I think you're better off with him if you wanted to deal him in the offseason you should have done that at that time but I, I just i don't see it as a trade scenario for this team right now it could be wrong but as long as they're in contention i think that they'll keep him around
0: Yeah, that'll be something to follow at least uh, in the upcoming days and weeks. That'll wrap it up for us here on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Find us on uh, revengeofthebirds.com as always, as well as uh, places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio Himalaya, uh, almost any place you listen in to your podcast, you'll be able to find us. Uh, You can also ask anything on your smartphone or the Alexa app as well. You'll be able to find us that way. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I know it's been a hard last two weeks. We're hoping for much better results on Sunday and for health too. the uh, MetLife Stadium has had uh, quite a number of injuries on that turf this week I think coming out away without serious injuries from your star players will definitely be a win for the Cardinals no matter what uh, for the rest of the season Uh, John where can the listeners find you and your content
1: yeah absolutely of course here on the ROTB podcast we appreciate all the support uh, that we've garnered since the beginning of the season continue to listen in as we Try to churn out two episodes per week. You can also find my content in the written form on revengeofthebirds.com. And then, of course, interact with me on Twitter at Venerable V-E-N-E-R-A-B-L-E. I do a Periscope postgame show after every Cardinal game where you can come vent out your frustrations. But hopefully we celebrate uh, a victory on Sunday, Blake.
0: And uh, make sure also I'll have some of the different details as well up on Friday also about what the Cardinals can do uh, to fix their offense, some of the things around the league. That article will be up. as Well, I'm hoping to have some other uh, film examples, at least, of some of the plays that were successful in other aspects. We'll see kind of how that goes. It'll be a a fun time overall, I think. Uh, Thank you guys again for tuning in so much. We'll see you on the other side of the game against the New York Jets. We'll see what kind of a case they can make for becoming a good team.